Inbounds, Turner, left side of the backboard. Turner, across the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He, he makes it! He hit it! He, he, it. he hit it just inside of half court! Lane's on the other wing. He finds oh. Oh. oh! 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 Send it in, Jerome! college basketball lovers this is episode three of mad about hoops week three of the college basketball season i am your good college basketball friend timmy hall along with another one of your fine basketball friends evil bald colin colin it's good to see you this week how you doing man timmy it's good to see you too i am excited not only because we had a great matchup this week with vermont in Virginia, but because what's coming down the lane, man, <laughs> next week, that. next week we have some of the best basketball you're going to see all season long with the pre early season tournaments is what we'll call it. Is there anything better than some Vermont Catamounts basketball? Is there anything better than that? If you're junkies like us, yes, because I, you mean, no, well, no, you're right. Because what? Oh, I was watching it on my phone. I'm not going to lie. I was watching Anthony Lamb just go off. On that defense, and unfortunately, he didn't get enough help late in that game. But yes, I mean, I would sit there any night of the week and watch Vermont Catamount basketball any chance I could get. Hey, I hope you guys like our open. By the way, we just slapped that together. We we put a couple of cuts in there that, of course, are Ohio State themed. You get the great Gus Johnson. You get the great Paul Keels, Ohio State's play-by-play voice, with our buddy Ron Stokes there, and then a little of Gus's ha which I've always loved with the Ron Lewis shot. That was a classic game because we, of course, this originates. You're listening to two dudes that work for the fan in Columbus, Ohio. And I know that might seem weird to you. We are in college footballs. We're at the the epicenter of college football here in Columbus, Ohio. But the Buckeyes have always had a really, really rich basketball history. And it just, it takes a little while for us to get going. But guys like Colin and me, we are just, we're excited. We are, we're thrilled about the college hoop season from the get-go. I will say with that Ron uh, cut we're talking about, I think that's one of those moments in college basketball, maybe you can just be the Ron, Ron Stokes, the Ron Stokes, or, or, the Evan or Ron Turner. Lewis shot. Which one are you talking well, about? Well, I guess you could say both because when he did it with Evan Turner shooting the half court shot in the Big Ten tournament, and even then the same case with Ron Lewis's shot. I think in both cases of those scenarios, those are the type of plays where you can remember exactly where you were when they happened. Well, and the great thing is, is Ron Stokes, who's the color commentator for Ohio State hoops, like a lot of the great color commentators, they cannot hold back. And when a big shot goes in like that, Ron's thing is to mmm a lot with the dunks or an ooh. He'll look at mm, like whenever something happens. Yeah, you'll just I think we have one with the DJ Carton slam from last week. Here you go. Kyle Young at 6'8, top of the key. Curls around, bounces right baseline. Carton dunks. Drove the right baseline. Carton threw it down. Nice assist, Kyle Young. Every single 60, time. 32 Ohio State. Get that energize the crowd. Can't draw it up any better, Ron. And I told I told Beamer this last week. Beamer, uh, of course, is who I host the Buckeye show with, our show here on the fan. And uh, when, for some reason, you heard Ron Stokes at the end say, did that energize the crowd? All I heard, though, was put that in your pipe and smoke it. That's what I heard. <laughs> Even though that's not at all what he said, put that in your pipe and smoke it. How awesome would that have been if that's what he did say? It would have been, but just visualizing how the dunk went and happened with DJ, it definitely seemed like it was one of those type of dunks. <laughs> By far. So uh, back to what you were saying about Vermont. 
a quick story about them. When I was a student at the University of Kansas, I don't know what year this was, but it had to be 03, 04-ish when I think they're, they had a really fun head coach. I think it was Tom Brennan. If I'm, I, I hope I'm not mistaking his first name. Okay. I should know this, but Brennan was his last name. He was there forever. And, if, of course, Vermont had one of the famous March Madness moments that we can remember when uh, they had T.J. Sorrentine hit that big shot against Syracuse right. to get the upset. But Taylor Copenrath, he was their big guy. And I... I, I was I was saying shame on me when we were talking about Anthony Lamb before the season, how the Lammer could turn out to be hands down the best basketball player in Vermont history. And I quickly remembered, oh, Taylor Copenrath. Like I had to go back and look at him, and that dude was like all everything at Vermont. So maybe Lamb and Copenrath will be up in the rafters together. But I don't know if he could surpass that guy. He could be as good, but it's tough to pass. But against that Virginia defense, we are we're almost going to come up with a thing here on Mad About Hoops. Anytime Virginia holds a team under 40 points, an angel will get its wings. Like that's that's something that's going to happen. And it might happen, you know, six or seven more times this college basketball season because their defense is that good. But Anthony Lamb almost went and kept an angel from getting its wings did all, himself. all alone. Yeah, it was incredible. Well, first off, you know probably more about Vermont basketball than I think any of the, the average basketball junkie, period. I bet it's because huge I, up there. I can see why Daniel Giddens wanted to transfer up there. What a great—I mean, Vermont's beautiful, quiet state, right? Right. Playing hoops up there would be awesome. They must be really into it up there. And then you, you just brought up Giddens. Just looking around, and what I've been doing lately is looking at these former basketball or Ohio State basketball players and how they're doing at their other schools right now. And I know you and I were texting between and during the game saying, you know, Giddens isn't really on the stat sheet pretty much. But we were looking around. I think uh, Jaquan Lyle down at New Mexico uh, was Mountain West Player of the Week a couple weeks ago or something like that. There's actually guys that are performing really well from that class that transferred out. I was pretty impressed. Yeah, yeah. Evil Bald Collins talking about the the class, really the last great class that Ohio State coach Thad Mata had. And we were looking at it. Maybe it was another Fad Five. You think back to the class that he had that set up their run that ended in a national title game loss to Florida. It's still wild to think about. Ohio State basketball was there with a chance to win a college basketball, an NCAA championship, when their football team was in the final game as well. Things you'll just never see, right? Those are things you'll never see ever again, really. The same two programs in the college football championship game and the college basketball championship game. Well, it did help that Florida had it like a super team that made it back to back years. They were good. I will say that. They were good. Um, but no, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I mean, especially with teams like, you know, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, I don't expect them being very good at football anytime soon unless, you know, if Mac Brown turns it around for the Tar Heels down there. But yeah, I'd have to say that that's probably a once in a life type type of thing you're gonna see. All right, so we talked Vermont basketball, so we got that out of the way. That's great. I think th- I think Vermont going to happen once a week. I think Vermont gave Kansas a really good game too. I think it was like a five point game, one or two possession game. It was one of those like, oh, because you just you never you never lost. You didn't lose non conference home games at the Field House. You didn't lose games at the Field House. That's what went on at Kansas, as everybody really knows, because they've won fifteen straight. Conference championship streak came to an end. Streak is over now, so they got to start a new one. But I remember that one being a scare. And uh, the Richmond Spiders, I remember, was a team that came in there and actually knocked them off. Nevada and the Richmond Spiders were a couple teams that I saw beat the Jayhawks at Allen Fieldhouse. Not a hot take, but I do think your boys do do it again this year. They take back the crown. Yeah, I think so, too. I think they're... 
they're the team. There's another Big 12 team that I want to talk about coming up here. But Evil Bald Colin, uh, Timmy Hall here with you. It's Mad About Hoops, Episode 3. So Week 3 of College Hoops here, we're looking at our, at our Mad About Hoops game ranker, and it's not filled with a lot of power games. We didn't have any scenarios this week with and we're recording this on the Wednesday here in week three so that's where we are if you're if just wondering what we've seen and what we haven't seen we saw Ohio State get off to a, a 4-0 start and perform well after they got the big win against Villanova but you've got number 22 Texas taking on Georgetown at the 2k Empire Classic at the Garden that's always like a nice little two game a little two pack of games on a Wednesday or Thursday night early in the season and you're going to get Duke Duke's home away from home is the Garden, right? And they're playing Cal, which is going to be an interesting team to watch because they've been really, really up and down lately. Mainly awful, really bad but up and down. Yeah. Really bad last Horrible year. So we'll see year. how they bounce back. But um, no, I, I'm more interested in obviously seeing how that Texas-Georgetown game turns out because I'm really impressed with what I saw with Texas when they went up to Purdue and you know really clamped down on defense. And that Andrew Jones kid who overcame, was was it cancer? He came back and is now leading, right. leading their team. Um. The way, it's the little things, but watching how he dominated at the free throw line down the stretch in that Purdue game, this team that Shaka has kind of starts to look like a team that has the little things that can help them, you know, take the next step from just a team that's on the bubble every year to maybe being a team that's, you know, anywhere from a five to eight range in the seed line. You know what? That's that's where I think I want to go for my, hey, have you noticed for this week? And it centers around Shaka Smart and the Texas Longhorns. As I just said, we'd have a Big 12 game, uh, a Big 12 program to hit on a little bit more. It is, he was maybe my favorite guy. All right? Like, everybody loved Brad Stevens, right? I know you're wearing your you're wearing your Butler Bulldogs hoodie right you're now. You're like your mid-major coach at that time period. How could you not love that guy? Yeah, I and would the, say so. The style that they played. I'm looking at his, I'm looking at his sheet right now. Six seasons at VCU. He was with them with the transition from the Colonial. God, God, I loved CAA basketball growing up. Being a being a dude who grew up in Virginia, the Colonial. We had a lot of guys in my district where I went to school. Our high school basketball players. Uh, my my career lasted from my uh, freshman season to my JV season. Then the football players came over. I got cut from my <laughs> JV team. Oh, so that was the end for me, sophomore season. Then I became a theater and a drama guy. That's why I'm here doing radio and podcasts, right? But <laughs> I, I love the CAA. So you had Which v- is looking rough, right? Outside it's of rough, Vaughan. right? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty rough. George Mason basketball, though. VCU basketball. I always remembered it. The Virginia schools. William and Mary. But a lot of players go there. But Shaka had them. I mean, he was winning games in the high 20s, 27 and 9, 28 and 12, 29 and 7, 27 and 9, 26 and 9, 26 and 10. And oh, yeah, that second year, the 28 and 12 year, he was a Dayton dude, first four, all the way to the final four. They beat Kansas. Here I'm sitting there watching this thing. Oh, Kansas is another yellow brick road to a national championship game. <laughs> no, they get. X'd out in the Elite Eight by VCU, and they take the spot in the Final Four. So this dude, he was one of my favorite guys, the style of play. He was incredible. If you can teach defense at a mid-major level, you can put yourself in a chance to beat anybody. Anybody. And He proved it that entire season and his, his entire time at VCU. That, what do they call it, havoc defense, where it's just completely up-tempo press all the way across the court. Yeah, I, if you can play like that and you can play to the system correctly— you can win any game. Well, and they trademarked that at VCU. So it's not like he couldn't take the style over to Texas. But that's sort of the thing. Texas, to me, 
And I guess the hey, have you noticed here is something that most hardcore college basketball fans have. Dude's on the hot seat. Like, I I do believe, and I think he, I, should, he I should. He should be coaching for his Texas life right here. And I don't know if he's filled up with regret. I know most guys you would talk to don't think of it that way. But maybe some guys are just better fit to be mid-major basketball coach coaches, right? Our Belmont guy who was there forever. Who is that? Rick Bird. That's right. That Belmont forever just made a made a living there, and he was great. Randy what, Bennett. Saint Randy Mary's? Bennett. Yeah, St. Mary's. Mark Few, sort of the mid-major that's now not a mid-major. Right. But that's could that have been? Could VCU have been Gonzaga of the East if he stayed there? Because here's my theory on that: playing that style as often as they did at VCU, I think it takes a special kind of kid. I think it takes a tough overlooked high school basketball player that's got a chip on his shoulder that not e- not only did Duke and Carolina not give him a look, but Virginia, Virginia Tech didn't give him a look. Clemson, South Carolina, those guys didn't give him a look. It was either between, you know, Hampton or Norfolk State or, you know, maybe VCU. And Shaka comes knocking on the door and says, hey, I'm going to give you this opportunity. We're going to play a fun style of basketball. You're going to need to love defense. You're going to need to love defense more than anything you've ever loved, more than your mother and your father and your sister and your brother combined. But it can be fantastic. And I just, I loved those guys that they had there. I mean, they had some uh, had some dudes go on and play in the NBA and make a, make a name for themselves there. And here at Texas, it's just... This isn't just year two or three; it's year five, and he had he was eleven and seven in the Big Twelve in his first year, and only last year were they twenty one and sixteen. They won the NIT, but they didn't get in. He hasn't won a game. Maybe he was in the first four in one of these two tournament trips. I can't remember. Uh, but he has, right he's not yeah. made it past the round of sixty four. So to me, that counts. When you're at Texas, you haven't won a game in the tournament, and you're year five. They were eleven and twenty two one year. What's the problem, Evil Bald Colin? Well, I, I want to go back to your reference about VCU and getting the style of player. I mean, as a Butler fan, that's kind of what Butler's had to do, especially being in such a hotbed like Indianapolis with all those great teams around you. You have to recruit in a certain type of player that fits your style and fits what you want to do. But to go to the fact of saying VCU could be like Gonzaga, I think there's a little bit more to talk about with that. I think... Gonzaga benefits big time from being in the whack. Like, there's outside of St. Mary's, there's not really, and maybe BYU every other year, there's not really another team that's going to give them a hard, stiff test. And BYU just joined a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, rather recently. When they were leaving the Mountain West. And the A10's no joke. I mean, you have Rhode Island, you have Dayton, you have Davidson. That's a pretty tough road. George Mason's actually there now. They are. A lot of old right. CAA teams in there now. You're right. But to say they could get to the level where. Gonzaga is is pretty tough. They would have to recruit like Gonzaga does and Mark Few does, which is top 15 in the nation every single year. I don't know if he could have done that there, but his style enough could then made them into a mid-major power. Like maybe when Butler was a mid-major, that's probably what they could have been year in and year out. But with talking about Shaka Smart at Texas, it's... I think Texas kind of outshot themselves in terms of what they were looking for when they got rid of Barnes and what he was doing late in his tenure there at Texas. I think they thought they were better than what he was making them, 
and it turned out to be that's not really the case. But at the same time, you should be able to recruit there. So I don't know what the issue is with that. I'm uh, I'm remembering guys for VCU now. I remember Jamie Skeen and Bradford Burgess on those early Shaka Smart teams oh, yes. at VCU. Joey Rodriguez was the scrappy guard. I'm uh, I'm blanking on the name of the NBA dude. Was it Sanders or the shot blocker that got a few looks that was around in the NBA? That that might be the dude, but but clearly, you know, I he had a six year run, Colin. That's what it was. He was he was in the big dance his last five years there, and he had two trips past. He had three trips past the round of 64. One of them was a historical Final Four run that there's only, in the last 20 years of college basketball, a few programs that can say that. We don't really qualify Gonzaga for that anymore. I guess you'd have to throw Butler into that mix and then repeating it and just one of the wildest things ever where they go to the national championship game two years in a row. Loyola just did it. George Mason, Jim Laranega, the other Virginia old CAA school, did it. You know, maybe maybe that was five years before. I can't remember exactly before VCU, but mm-hmm. he had something that was working and it seemed to be stable there. And Texas has no identity to me. They don't play that style a ton. Oh. They don't really, they've had, you know, Jared Allen there and, you know, Boa Mamba or Mo Bamba. Oh, Sorry, Bamba. I just, I just reversed <laughs> Did the re- reversal powder right there. They just haven't had anything that is, that is stuck and... I feel bad for him because I I loved him more than anything in the world. It just kind of felt like he jumped at the name more than what the opportunity was for him. And it was just Texas, you know. Texas is like, nice. It's a big school, and it's got it's I nice. Mean, it's gonna pay you well. Yeah, and yeah. It's gonna be a, uh, you have all the facilities you could ever ask for, but at the same time, it's not really. It doesn't have the brand name in basketball like other schools he could have gone to, or staying at VCU and just doing what he was doing. But I'm telling you right now, if Let's say he's on the hot seat and does get let go from Texas in the offseason. And if I'm Dayton and I'm struggling with Anthony Grant and I'm I'm ready to get out of that, I'm calling Shaka Smart in a second. You like I, I, if I'm Dayton and I don't like what I'm getting with Grant this season, which I mean is quite possible. I know a lot of Dayton fans and a Boy, couple of my friends are I mean, Dayton fans. I I love that. I would love that. You know what? You're I, done I with it. Grant. I love it. Call Shaka, Shaka in a second. God. I mean, you would you would think just playing out your scenario. You get axed by Texas. Dayton seems like a perfect place. If you if you get that call, boy, is that a great place to rebound. Maybe even just make up your mind and decide to stay somewhere for a 10-year run. Remember, it, he, he looked like he was going to stay at VCU. He did because he was being sought after right after the Final Four trip, two years in, right? Yep. And then it seemed like he decided to stay. I think he got a he got a big raise there. He was able to get the university to fork up some more to push toward funding basketball and facilities. And he seemed to have a Richmond's a great spot too. I don't know what I don't know what people's perception is of Richmond. I feel like people's perception it's falling off a little bit. That uh, yeah, and I'm I'm here to tell you that it's not. It's actually building back up. I've got my my sister in law lives out there in the town. I think it's a fantastic city. I think it's an upbeat fantastic city maybe it's got a reputation for being in the south and maybe sort of the old like confederacy stigma is around it but i don't 
I don't see it that way at all. I thought that would have been a great place to just stay and build. And I, I, look, I get it. I mean, I, I get it when I thought it was going to be Duke or Carolina, though. I thought that was going to be he got to a certain Eventually, point where his yeah. popularity was so high. It was like Brad Stevens and Shaka Smart and then everybody else. But some of these coaches, they feel like they need to capitalize on that second. They make a name for themselves because I'm, I'm thinking of but guys. He, but like, he didn't, though. You're right. He didn't. You're right. But I'm right? thinking of guys like Loyola Chicago's coach, uh, Porter Moser, is another name that he was kind of struggling mm-hmm. there for a little bit, made that obvious run that got his name out there, and then he just kind of sat back and didn't jump at a job. And now he's still a name that teams look for, and he gets talked about when jobs open up, but it's not the same, you know, spunk behind it. It is Mad About Hoops, episode three. I'm Timmy Hall. That's my good friend, Evil Bald Colin, two of your favorite college basketball friends right here just chatting with you. This this has been a fun podcast so far, I got to say, because we haven't had a lot of power-packed ball games to break down to either preview or go back and look at that are already in the books. But it's sort of the, the calm before the storm. We're here to tell you oh, we're, it's, it's coming fast. We're greatly excited about Thanksgiving in week four of college hoops, and we'll be in the thick of it. We'll probably drop something on Tuesday or Wednesday before the holiday next week, and then the week after we'll get to go back and sift through all of the great holiday tournaments that were there. I thought uh, I thought right now we could just go. We're we're totally unscripted right now. Now we have just reduced ourselves to just two guys that are talking college basketball and we're just going to do questions. We're just going to throw we're just going to pick each other's brains on whatever has literally popped into your head at this at this exact moment about college basketball. I'll start with you, Evil Bald Column. You're wearing your Butler Bulldogs hoodie right now. It has me thinking. I think I know the answer, but maybe there's something I don't know. Okay. What is the best college basketball venue? you have ever been to and why? I mean, I'm going to say Hinkle. I mean, that's probably the best one I've been to. <laughs> it's just you walk inside and you just get this feeling of all the greatness that's happened within the arena. Oh, and There's an aura. It, this, it, you just walk in and it feels like a cathedral almost. Uh, I did enjoy walking around the under lying areas and seeing like you know murals of like thad on the wall it was cool you know it's like cool to the, think about ah, the this, great fad mata two-year run and at, i at think Butler. i yeah. think they were starting to put a chris holtman one in there too so i mean you're talking about some they should underlying they should. connections between but like crossroads between butler and ohio state it was pretty cool to see stuff like that butler look i mean you want to you want to publicize those guys so it's, it's a lot like xavier basketball right and the coaches that have run through there, that have you know either done gr- they've done great things at Xavier, then went on and got bigger jobs. You want to promote that, not just it doesn't just tell your recruits that it's a stepping stone job, but it's it's a place where great coaches have have passed through and made stops there, if not long stops there. And I hope uh, I hope Butler basketball holds up. I, I really I really hope it does. What about what do you got for me? Well, I was just going to ask you. Now we're getting closer to these holiday tournaments and whatnot. I just wanted to see what your thoughts are. It seems like each year it gets earlier and earlier that these pool of teams that get put into these tournaments gets announced because they're just trying to lock up the biggest names possible. Are you saying like earlier in the year when the the press releases come out? I I I haven't really noticed that, no. Yeah, because I noticed like with the battle for Atlantis, I mean, Goodman had this back in February, it seems like, with the lineup that Ohio State's going to be in. And just comparing it to the list that's with this year, it seems a lot... uh, higher in name value. I mean, you got teams like North Carolina, Oregon, Michigan, Gonzaga, and 
Seton Hall in this year's, which is pretty good. But if you go to the next one, you have teams like Duke, Ohio State, West Virginia, Utah, Texas A&M, Wichita State, and Creighton. I mean, the earlier they can get it, the sure. bigger the names they can get. I'm pretty impressed, and I wondered, <laughs> could it get it much better than what Ohio State's got for them next year? I mean, that's I, I love the fact that Ohio State's going to play. I mean, I really, I really do. All of these battle for Atlantis seems to have in s- some years you could say it's the strongest field. It, it fluctuates, right? But the Maui, Maui. the Maui yeah. always gets like a Kansas, a Duke, or a UNC, and we know that Ohio State. We even heard Chris Holtman here recently say it's, and I think that came out at some point back in the summer. But it's, it's definitely in the forefront. So I would say maybe next year is going to be the battle for Atlantis. The and year twenty twenty one Maui, the year after yeah. that Maui. So get your Thanksgiving plans <laughs> together. And it's on my, it's a bucket list for me. By I'm the way, I'm just glad it ends. Absolute bef- bucket list. I'm just glad it ends before Thanksgiving. It's all, it ends Wednesday, on Wednesday, right? Yeah. Wednesday night. So you get your family in town. Usually, family starts to roll in Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. If you grew up watching, you know, college hoops with your dad, like I did, it's always a special thing to get together with him or whoever your brothers, your sisters, your mom. It's it's cool, yeah, and to watch that thing finish up late Wednesday night, it's it's a late finish, right? I just I think oh, yeah. some of the Kansas oh, yeah. Duke games here recently. Oh, oh my God, that's it's such good stuff. The Lahaina Civic Center coaches are just they're they're dressed comfortably, right? Why do we? I never wondered like why is it such a, a suit and tie sport? Why do we all have to be Jay writing it out there? You know, that's a great question because yeah, you reference Maui Wear a golf shirt and tucked they're, in. they're wearing the Hawaiian shirts and the lays and yeah. whatnot, and untucked. Yeah, you don't tuck in a Hawaiian shirt. Of course, it looks not. ridiculous. No, yeah. but no, yeah, I've always wondered that too. I, I never really understood. But I also, you know, talking about this holiday season tournaments and whatnot, I, I wanted to ask. We haven't really heard a lot ever since the failed attempts to play on like carriers and whatnot will you ever see an outdoor game on like a ship ever again oh boy you know i i like getting a little cute like that because ohio state had one ruined i remember years ago i remember i was i was on my way out here to take this job and i remember that marquette ohio state game vividly outdoors and they canceled the game. I mean, there's nothing worse than that. Buzz Williams and Thad Mata were out there on their hands and knees, as were 25 <laughs> other dudes, basketball players, trainers, people working on the court, wiping it down. It's like, guys, it's futile. It's, it's, not, it's outside. It's too much moisture. It's not going to work. Maybe you can play on blacktop or a proper surface that it doesn't matter. That would be, you know what? Rucker Park. Okay. How about it? Okay. I kind of like it. How about it? Yeah. Rucker Park, real college basketball game in Harlem. How awesome would that be? That would be incredible. At minimum, just an exhibition game. One that doesn't even count for the regular season. Talking like higher name teams going Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Get Georgetown and St. John's. Oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. (laughs) That city would embrace that, man. Absolutely. Georgetown and St. John's. Rucker Park. Do it. Mad about hoops. Idea. Oh, I love it. There you go. I mean, that that would be cool. That would be awesome. I would sign up for that. NBA dudes that have rolled by those courts just to just to play, right? Yeah, you, you get down to the basics of the game of where people learn the sport. I, I like that a lot. All right, you got you got me going on this as we're in the 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 closing minutes here while we're just we're unscripted, going with questions at each other. Holiday tournaments, you can go to one. I assume you haven't been to any yet in, I have your, not, in your no. young life. Right. I, I I haven't either, being a, this big of a college hoops fan. Which one are you going to 
and why? You know, I could always talk about the exterior motivations with places like the Bahamas and Maui. Um, man, that's a really tough one. And then you also have, there's been some in Vegas too. I would probably just go to Maui. I'd probably go to Maui. Just a Puerto Rico now too, right? Puerto San Rico. Juan. Yeah, you're right. Jamaica here. You're right. I kind of like that small little high school gym feel they got going on there in Maui. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. No, it's not just you. That's a lot of people. I kind of like it. I don't know. Maybe that's that's the easy, right? That's the low-hanging fruit. That's Hawaii, right? It's it's tough to beat them. What about bring back? I was so sad when the Great Alaskan Shootout started to fall off. I wasn't old enough to ever really experience it, but I heard Ohio State went up there. It used to be a packed field. It really, it used to be terrific, and then the field fell off. And then I think what was it, 2017? They decided it was done. You got to bring that thing back. Was it that recent? We got to bring it back. Yeah, you just don't remember because literally no one of substance was playing in it. That's fair. In the last five to ten years. No, but uh, going back to Maui, I would love to go a year where, you know, Chom and I goes and maybe pulls a weird upset randomly, something like that. Something to remember for the rest of your life. Because you don't see that in any of these other tournaments where Chom and I gets a chance to play somebody that's like a, what are they, D2, D3? Yeah, D2 or D3. Yeah, one of those. That'd be cool. They get get in every year. Yeah. Yeah. They've pulled off some upsets in the history of that tournament. I can't none none come to mind right now, but they've definitely done it. That's the, that's one of the cool parts yeah, that's about probably, that's probably about one of the kickers for me. Yeah, yeah, Shamanad there. You got anything else for me? You know, it's it's so early in the year. I guess we we've seen a couple of our teams struggle that we talked about in the final four. I have Florida, obviously, that has two losses. Um, Florida State's kind of looked iffy at times. Who was somebody? That's that we- a reach, though. That's a reach I, pick. It's early. I didn't it's, pick Florida ranked right. six to hey. start the year or whatever. Oregon I picked started Florida State. Oregon started two and two last year and made their run. It can happen, but I want to say just a team we haven't mentioned in our final four picks. Teams we haven't really looked at. Who's kind of a a name we're not talking about enough right now? That's going to kind of pop open around January, February conference tur- tournament time. Who? Who do you think? Ah, oh, boy. You know what? We can't. Ohio State to me is already like getting up there, already up there. Oh, the hype. Uh, Lunardi has him as a two seed right now. It's a good question. It's a good question by by you. I I wonder if Tennessee is going to do okay. something All right. because everybody's talking about the guys that they lost, right? Right. But they still have a solid core coming back. I I've, I've also liked Baylor a lot. Baylor was a team that I was thinking about. Scott before, Drew's got a good team. Before the season. Scott Drew's always got those guys pretty good. Seton Hall is one of my final four teams, so no to them. Yeah, man, I'd probably, I'd probably with that question right there, trying to pick teams that have a reasonable opportunity to get to where you're talking about. Tennessee and Baylor, teams that are like in the rank between 20 and 25 right now. What about our guys like Cincinnati, too? I see them as picking things sure, up and becoming absolutely. a good team. I still like Xavier too. I'm hoping they can finally good. they can finally get over the early tournament struggles they've had. I mean, they lost to Iowa back here in Columbus last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was there. Uh, hopefully, yeah. that's just something that's left in the past with Mick Cronin, because I would I would like to see Jaron Cumberland carry that team on. Um, a name that I'm actually thinking of is Washington. They got an okay. early season win over the Baylor. Huskies, yeah. They also lost to Tennessee. The Pac-12 might be scary good this year. Like scary good in the sense that it's not getting the hype it should right now. Yeah, I did not. 
I did not get to see any of that uh, Washington-Baylor game. That was the first game of the season. That was a, a 67-64 game, just right. looking at it. But uh, Tennessee, one of those teams that got Washington mm-hmm. that you were just mentioning just uh, a short time ago, beaten by double digits, too. So before we go, I'm looking back at uh, Evil Bald Collins' first two mid-major flavors of the week. You sort of started it off with Harvard and I'm sure you saw the Harvard, the Crimson, have lost a couple of games so far. Three and two. They lost to Northeastern. And who just nicked them here in the last week or so? Oh, I can't remember. I'll, but it's I'll been- tell you. And then you had Evansville last week that just lost to SMU by two. But beating Kentucky, that still holds. So that's that's pretty good. Yeah, Harvard's been a tough one because, you know, you still have Bryce Aiken and Seth Towns. Struggling oh, they'll from, still be good. From injury reasons, it's been... Buffalo. Buffalo just beat him, 88-76. And I think Northeastern had a dude that scored... Uh, Jordan Rowland scored 42 to beat Harvard. Man, it's early in the season, obviously, yes. But Harvard has some... I mean, when you're missing your top two guys at parts of the season with um, injuries like that, with Bryce Aiken and Seth Towns, it's going to set you back. Uh, but with, in terms of like the mid-majors that I'm looking for right now I'm gonna say Dayton even though I just kind of threw Anthony Grant under the bus a little bit I'm really interested to see how Obi Toppin can carry that Dayton team and you know you got a tough conference with teams like Davidson and VCU maybe even a Rhode Island uh, Providence if they can get their step back it's gonna be a tough 810 this year but you know I'm a little bit higher on Dayton than most people I think people have them around like you know, first four out range. I could see them getting, you know, a little bit higher than that, maybe like in an 8-9 matchup at this point. Hey, Dayton is a contender. I think uh, Landers, uh, we're talking Ohio State football here, Landers, his brother's still there. I think he's a senior, maybe even a fifth-year senior. It feels like he's been there forever. And they, they will take on Georgia in their next game, Dayton will. They get St. Mary's on December 8th. And they get Colorado on December 21st. Those are all three really yeah. big non-conference games that can, you know, it it would help them with their resume and keeping the A-10 out of any, like, one-bid situations. Hey, it's a special place, too. It really is. If, uh, if you're listening and you're in a different part of the country or the world, Dayton basketball, maybe you don't think it, but it is one of the most special environments in all of college hoops. You and talk they, about great yeah. venues. Very high on my list. I went to a nothing game there. A nothing game. Don't even remember who they played. It was one of those December 23rd. I was just sitting in the you know 35th row or something like that. It was awesome. Just awesome. Every single game is packed. Packed to the guilds. And even if you can't see the Flyers play, at least going to the first four is a great experience. Yes, too. it is. Yeah. I, I haven't had the chance to do it, but every review I've heard is that it doesn't really matter who's playing. You find a way to get behind one team. It might be just a storyline. It might just be see some something you see in the game, but it's fun. You know, you don't really have any weight in the game, but it's just a fun atmosphere. Well, Evil Bald Colin, I, I hope you enjoy you some college basketball this weekend and in the next week. This, uh, this has been a fun one. I've enjoyed talking to you. It's the calm before the storm as we've got holiday tournaments on tap. Cannot wait for it. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Please subscribe. Please give us some stars. Hopefully you've been enjoying what you've been listening to. And write us a friendly review. Please don't hate us. This is a couple of nice guys, you know. And we'll talk to you soon. Have a great week.